And the Padres Hot Tub is brought to you by our Padres Hot Tub Patreon community, growing every day as we march toward opening day. Chris Reed and the place where lots of cool things happen, including, for example, live recordings of Padres Hot Tub exclusively for our patrons. That's right. Uh, you're going to get bonus content. You're going to get uh, a whole entire different podcasts, uh, like uh, like Have a Drink, which I recorded this week. Our, our super secret guest will be revealed uh, uh, sometime late in the, the dark hours of the night, uh, Tuesday night. And all of our patrons will, will, will get to hear that, and nobody who is not will. Yeah, it's correct. It's an exclusive uh, free podcast. Uh, free. Well, it's part of your, your Patreon uh, patronage. At just $5, you get access to not only our Have a Drink podcast, but also our Banter podcast. You get the chance to be a part of our Discord, which is where the coolest baseball conversations are happening. It's just been so fun to see the Watch Party uh, channel, which is, you know, historically the channel with the most comments on it i think uh, other than the padres channel uh to see it back up and flourishing and everyone having a good time right now overreacting to things like people's you know three at bat spring training samples and whatnot and we know it'll <laughs> we know it'll turn so much darker when they're actual samples when someone actually gives up three runs in an inning we know it will get dark but we understand that it's part of the fun it's all part of being a patron of the padres hot tub community and keep in mind this is not to enrich our community it, it's as a matter of fact to come together as a community but also to just support the project that is here we put time in we put effort into creating and sustaining the Padres hot tub community so if you like this show why not support it you can do it at a low level like five dollars you get up to 12 30 dollars a month all of a sudden you get the opportunity to come to ball games with Chris and I even to host episodes of this here show Find it for yourself. Patreon.com slash Padres Hot Tub. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Padres Hot Tub. Padres Hot Tub on a Monday night, everybody. Craig Elston, Chris Reed, our producer, Rafi Cantor. We are here with our great audience all coming together on this Monday night. We normally record on Monday nights, and normally we just do it, you know, tucked off on a quiet private channel of the Discord. But today we wanted to get in front of La Gente because it's a special night, Chris. We're talking about Manny Machado and the Padres coming to terms on an 11-year contract. Manny Machado is a Padre for life. He said it himself. He'll go into the Hall of Fame as a Padre. Uh, a lot of us are going to remember where we were when we found the news because a lot of us were in our beds Uh which was about the best possible way to wake up. I mean, there could have been another contract extension announced, 
But that's just me being a greedy-ass San Diego Padre fan. Uh, what what do you say when your favorite player uh, says he's going to be your fourth Holland Fame inductee, Craig? You, you just say thank you. And uh, thank you, Papa Pete, uh, for giving us these gifts. The gift of never-ending Machado. So we're going to spend the first half of tonight's show talking about Manny Machado. We'll give our reaction to the deal. We'll talk about some of the projections for this contract now that it's not speculation, now that it's, you know, dollars and cents, numbers and years. Uh, we, we will talk through that and we'll open up the stage for members of our Patreon community that are here listening live. If they want to jump up, react, high five, celebrate, maybe criticize, maybe complain, bemoan, who knows? Uh, all opinions are going to be welcome on the show. Then uh, a little bit later in the show, Chris and I will talk about the start of spring training, reaction to the pitch clock, and some of the early nonsense stories uh, that are always so fun to deal with uh, in spring training. So that's kind of the layout for tonight's Padres Hot Tub Live. Uh, we do have a terrific audience that's already come together here. I mean, I've seen slightly bigger ones, but usually it's been for postseason, postgame shows, So uh, and also the day that we traded for Juan Soto. Uh, so really excited to have a great crowd already gathered, and hopefully a few of you are interested in having yourselves heard uh, over the course of of tonight's show but okay let's just get to the basics right off the top yeah, uh facts yeah we're, we're talking about uh first off a new deal there, there's there's talk about is this an extension it's not an extension right it's a new contract in a, an 11 year 350 million dollar contract is I, i've seen conflicting things on on that it does it matter necessarily i, I mean es essentially it's the same thing right that this is sounding a lot like uh you know nitpicking and, and getting into word choice i i for all we need to know is he'll be here the next 11 years and the total that he's going to get paid is uh three hundred and fifty million dollars, right? Yes. Um yeah. it's a thirty one point eight million dollar per year uh contract over eleven years. According to the San Diego Union Tribune's reporting, uh it ups well, I mean, obviously it does, right? Because previously his contract was a $30 million average annual value. So it pushes them up $1.8 million uh, against the competitive balance tax, uh, which currently puts them just beyond the third threshold. Remember, you've kind of got till the end of the year to settle your accounts on that. Uh, but they are currently just beyond the third and now pushing to the fourth. <laughs> Um, yeah. At, at which point they're they're paying a seventy five percent tax on every dollar, uh, up to two hundred ninety three million, which is the Cohen figure. At which point you start paying ninety percent extra. Um, so do keep that in mind. That in, in a sense, it's it's more than that because it's three hundred fifty million. But uh, the one point eight million over that third tax, that's you know another sixty percent. Of that, uh, quick math off the top of my head, it's around a little under $600,000 extra, you know, w fine. A, a couple more t-shirts, 
you know, a, a couple more uh, authentic Manny Machado jerseys, uh, it'll take <laughs> care of that. But it does illustrate a point the the Padres right now with even this deal, they haven't changed the team. They have locked in a higher price to keep the team together. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is launching themselves for a decade. Uh, and Peter Seidler apparently isn't going to get nitpicky about having to spend not just an extra 1.8 million on Manny this year, but an extra, you know, 2.2.6 or whatever it works out for. Um, this is proof positive, Craig, that Padres ownership have decided uh, that every myth small market, medium, medium market owners have told for the last 25 years uh, doesn't need to exist anymore. They're, they're here to prove that when you pay for top tier talent, you get a response from your fan base. Mm -hmm. And you win baseball games, which should be the point of being a baseball owner. Yahoo had a great write-up today, and we can even kind of juggle the uh, menu a little bit as the, the conversation uh, leads it there. Talking about Peter Seidler, and I think while there are some very jealous markets out there right now of fan bases that wish their owners would spend like this. And so instead of getting mad at their owners, they're going to get mad at the Padres because the Padres are the folks effing with their worldview. You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought things were okay the way they were. And now here you come along and ruin the neighborhood. Yeah. Blowing up myths, causing dissonance. Wait, it's not supposed to be like this. So there, there is that element from certain corners of the baseball universe, but there's also a discussion and I've seen it a few times saying like, if you're just kind of a casual baseball fan, you should be a Padres fan because here is an owner that's defying the math of the situation, the basic math, right? We, we were trained, we were trained and I'll admit it right up front. I was trained as, as somebody who considered himself a smart baseball fan to understand that these are the rules of the game and that the, the single smartest thing you can do is have the cycling young players on young contracts that are providing that positive war return cheap on the dollar and allowing you to put together a team at under $100 million that's competitive. Well, those are artificial constraints <laughs> based on owners that didn't want to spend money to secure their talent. And creating a whole mythology around it that, you know, well, the real smart way to do it is, is to do it for $60 million. You know, that it's, you're not really playing smart baseball until you're screwing over your star players and trading them out in order to get the next big double A hitter to come in and nearly replicate uh, for one, you know, get 0.9% of the performance for 0.2% of the cost. And look at us. We're brilliant. 2% better. Um, no, there's also the way of investing your team. And the Yahoo column I read today, Chris, I thought used a really even though we might not want to, to love embracing this example, I think a really salient example, which was the Dodgers. When, when the Guggenheim Group purchased the Dodgers, they did so for $2 billion. People thought it was crazy. They spent a ton of money on the team. They have one tainted championship for it. 
Uh, nonetheless, a strong word. That's a strong word. Asterisk, baby. This is Padres hot tub. In in Dodgers spiritual hot sauna, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> uh, but but nonetheless, the current valuation of the Dodgers franchise is four point zero seven billion dollars. So they invested in their product. They invested in their stadium. They renovated huge swaths of Dodger Stadium. Rafi, when you and I were at that game last year, all the games I went to as a kid at Dodger Stadium, all the times I was out in the pavilions, you know, in, in the, the stinky little underneath area and whatever, and to see how it's been completely changed. Uh, they invested in their team, in their product, and they doubled their value. Peter Seidler is investing in his team, in his product, and he's playing and beating the Dodgers at their own game. He's beating the Giants at their own game. It is truly something that anyone who is just kind of like a populist baseball fan, it's, it's almost a must-celebrate position. I'll take it a step further, Craig. If you're a fan of one of these, you know, poverty franchises like the Reds, the Pirates, or the Orioles, one of these teams that has these owners still out there, you know, perpetuating these lies about how they, you know, be it the Reds owner saying his team's basically a nonprofit. Or, or John Angelo saying that the model franchises he looks up to are the Rays and the Guardians. Well, guess what, John? The Rays and the Guardians haven't won anything. Neither of them have won a World Series under their new models. But the Dodgers and the Giants, teams that have invested in their star caliber players uh, and, and putting the best product on the field, they've, they've taken home hardware, be it hardware that they earned a little... Um, less so than they had to work a little less than every other champion ever did. Uh, but the giants did it several times themselves. And, uh, that's how championships are won these days by getting star caliber players, these six to 10 war players and, and assembling them. There's another team to talk about and that's the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. John this Middleton. Precisely. This this mythos of you do it better, you do it smarter, if you do it cheaper, was so deeply entrenched in the late 2010s that just the idea of extending a large contract to anyone was just for sure a bad idea. And of course, there had been all sorts of great examples of bad contracts, mostly offered by the Anaheim Angels, uh, <laughs> like one after another, uh, or the Detroit Tigers got, you know. But the lessons maybe to be learned from those deals are more of don't commit huge years, huge money to players with obviously declining skill sets, including defense, right? Albert Pujols signed with the Angels a 10-year deal where in year one, he was a declining value first baseman. Yeah. And... Like the idea of that deal was, oh, well, like five years into the deal, he'll have to be a DH. And then he's a DH the last five years of the deal. That's fine. No, he was a DH like two years into the deal. And 
became one of the least valuable players getting paid the most uh, really in sports history uh, for a couple of seasons before he got to the very end there, left and started hitting a little bit better uh, in L.A. of all places. But those contracts looked like the obvious example of why you don't do it. Eric Hosmer in 2018 was an obvious example of why you don't do a long-term deal. But you can be simple and say, don't do a long-term deal. Or you can be more nuanced and say, don't sign that kind of a player, Mm -hmm. a bricky first baseman, to a long-term deal to cover all of their late 30s. These are players who will decline at age 31. When you look at the players the Padres have since committed to, you're talking about some of the most athletic players in Major League Baseball. Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, you Darvish at his age. Yep. Joe, you know, Joe Musgrove, the way he commits to his preparation, you know that he's got that chance to, to continue to deliver in the fifth year of the deal. I think it's a lot less of pay me for what I'm doing now and I'm and pay me at the end, as it is you do have to commit. If you commit to the best players, you commit to the best players, the best talent. And I was talking to a, a coworker at Soccer's this morning about it, and I'd like to get your thoughts, Chris. Uh, she, a longtime Angels fan, thought the Manny Machado deal was a bad contract. Uh, and because she experienced, you know, every one of those other Angels contracts, whether it was, uh, what's the Texas guy, Hamilton? Um, yeah, Josh. You know, yeah, Rendon. Uh, you know, Pujols, Trout obviously still is good for the money they pay him, but nonetheless, they've made some huge, C.J. Wilson always still stands out, although now that contract seems like a pittance, but they've made like huge free agent mistakes that completely didn't work out. The difference to me is I feel like, as opposed to Albert Pujols, where we're like, well, halfway through the deal, he'll be a DH. I feel with Manny Machado, you say, well, halfway through the deal, he'll be our first baseman. Yeah, for sure. You know, and he'll probably be one of the better first basemen in the league for at least a couple, three years until he declines in that situation. And if at the very end, he's the DH for the team, okay. But I kind of feel like when you've got a glove like Manny, and we'll talk in a second about how Fangraphs may disagree about the level of his glove, but I feel like when you have a glove like Manny, you have a much longer tail in terms of how you can continue to be productive from a war standpoint. I think the deal is going to be risky at 11 years, no matter what you do, no matter what the player. But the fact of the matter is this, this is how these contracts are being done now. This is the modern deferred contract. Like you, you won't be paying Bobby Bonilla for 30 years anymore. What they'll do is they'll, they'll pay uh, for, for 12 years on the deal uh, and the deferment isn't on the actual money out of pocket. The deferment's on how much it costs you against your competitive balance tax. And it's going to be tough for the Padres, uh, you know, at the end when there's hopefully four guys making $150, $160 million. But at the end of that, it, it's all worth it for these next five years of prime Darvish, prime Musgrove. Not even prime Soto and Tatis. They're too young to statistically be in their primes. And, uh, you know, Manny, who's aging incredibly well, and Xander, whose profile, you know, 
indicates that he's going to be a productive player for years and years to come. We've got a great audience listening to PHT live right now. There is a text channel attached to this live uh, broadcast. So if you're listening and you feel like you have a comment you'd like to drop in, but you don't want to jump up on stage, feel free to, to utilize that. Uh, utilize that PHT live message area uh, up there. Uh, the little talk button uh, is where you can interact with that. I saw Dragon1178 put in there, like, wealthy people don't know how to avoid taxes. Yeah, <laughs> if only it was that easy. I wonder what the, yeah, what the if write-offs. If the IRS was in charge. Yeah. yeah if the, right? If you, uh, that would that would be different. If you can write off the catering spent on these guys off of their off of their CBT, it would be pretty great being in the gas lamp. Right off the net jets. Yeah. Do you think Manny Machado's got a net jet as part of his deal that he can just net jet, do a little Kevin Brown thing, head to Florida anytime he wants? I'll bet you that he's got those new drone taxi cabs as part of his deal. He gets, he gets those as much as he wants from Petco to anywhere to Coronado. It'd be Petco as he calls it Padre stadium to Coronado. <laughs> Limited autonomous drone rides. Good old Padres stadium. Um, in total, this winds up being the biggest contract in baseball history, 15 years and a half bill. Yeah. 15 years, $500 million. When we talk with gasped tones about what Juan Soto or what Shohei Otani is going to want in their next deal, 15 years, $500 million is now a thing that's happened in Major League Baseball. That's a commitment the Padres made to Manny Machado <laughs> uh, not getting his rookie years. And I, I just got to mention this. How good does Fernando Tatis Jr.'s deal look in retrospect? Is If Fernando Tatis Jr. is anywhere near the player he was, even in just 2021, never mind 2020, uh, he's going to be one of the most severely underpaid players in baseball at, at the height of his career. If he plays up to potential, yeah, it's going to be an historic... I, he might start you know, doing the NFL thing and trying to to not report to camp if you know if the dude's hitting 50 jacks a year at worst case it looks like you're not going to lose money on the deal even if he's you know kind of uh playing 70 percent, 60 percent of his career like he has thus far so it's looking like a genius deal that anybody who had a problem with it at the time uh, has been proven wrong now the, i mean that 15 500 has to now be the floor for Juan Soto, right? Craig, he's going to be 26. Soto Simp wrote in our text channel, I'd pay Soto 15, 500 tomorrow yeah. too. And I'd say, yeah. absolutely, I, I would too. I, I would offer that to him. And, and if Soto took it, I think it would be uh, an incredible deal for the San Diego Padres. Now, will this deal be an incredible deal for the San Diego Padres? Outstanding question and one that dan simborski the the king of the zips the king of the steamer uh tried to answer in a column today at Fangraphs, uh and they put up a, a new zips projection for the length of manny machado's career the zips projection is uh not that rosy chris it it values machado's 
remaining career service at being worth $181 million, uh, meaning that the, the Padres would have overpaid by $169 million. Nice. Uh, for, for Manny Machado's uh, end of career uh, you know, commitment. Uh, one thing that I think is really interesting though, and, and I mean, really it's a, it's, I think it's a downer prediction. It, it has Manny Machado's remaining career high season being a two sixty six average. Yeah. It's, it's like, it has its faults and it's based on like, if he did his 50th percentile season every year on out from here, from this point forward. Right. But why would a Hall of Fame level player perform at his 50% level every year going forward? That's not what Hall of Famers do. Like, that doesn't make sense. It's true, but the computer's thinking of injuries, of, you know, him getting hit by a bus tomorrow, whatever it could be. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. And his la- I looked at it, and in like the last five years, that production projection has Manny Machado hitting like 25 home runs. Over those five years. And that is correct. Yeah. That, yeah. A 24. 24 over the last four se- in the 2030s. Yeah. They think in four seasons he would add up to 24 homers combined. And that is projecting for him to have about 800 at bats <laughs> over yeah, those playing. seasons. He's playing. I, yeah. I, and I don't see that coming to pass, man. The the athletes that Manny looks up to, one of them is in Padres camp right now at the young age of 42, um, Nelson Cruz. The guys that Manny looks up to and wants to emulate, they don't come in at the 50th percentile. They come in higher than that. So barring injury, I, I think that Zip's projection is going to wind up looking a little silly. Yeah. The the whole nature of great players is that they beat their projections. Yeah. You know, Manny Machado beat his projection last year. And you know what? That projection doesn't take into account the value of somebody going into the Hall of Fame as your fourth player. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, right. Well, that's and that's the whole other side of it is the prestige side of it, right? Uh, it, it's the we've got this guy and you don't, yeah. you know, it, it, it's the message that it's, it's that it gives to every other player, not only in the clubhouse, but in major league baseball, um, hex JP nine in our text channel says, didn't yonder Alonso Manny's brother-in-law mention how much Manny trains to take care of his body on Ben and woods since his initial e- knee injuries. He's been the epitome of consistency. That is absolutely right. And by the way, one of our huge, uh, patrons right there chiming in. Thank you, HexJP9, one of our huge patrons, uh, for jumping in to the chat. This is a player who last year, by his own admission in interviews this spring, could have missed eight weeks Oh, with an ankle injury. Watching it live, I thought he was done. I, like, I thought our season as a whole had just taken a major hit because it was so, you know, so it was so awkward and fast and hard. I, I I thought the guy was done. Yeah, and, and he came back ten days later. Yeah. Literally, like I think on the eleventh day, he came back and, and was able to continue to contribute to the team. And then 
right? For a month, and we saw it, a month, six weeks, maybe, maybe the length, maybe eight weeks. He wasn't quite the same player defensively. Exactly. He didn't have quite the same range because he knew he couldn't be diving off of that ankle all the time or taking explosive turns off that ankle all the time. And it was better for his bat to be in the lineup than for him to try and go all out to add one more defense, pardon me, defensive run saved to his overall ledger. Then a computer program yeah. like Zips yep. takes that and says, Manny, yeah, Manny's defense is in decline. Yeah, you took it right out you of know, my he, mouth, Craig. So that's where I'll take that stuff and say bollocks to it. I think Manny's got a longer tail than anything. These projections, these projections literally don't give him credit for like one good year, the rest of his career. I mean, do we think 266, 338, 469 with 28 homers and 95 ribbies in this lineup hitting with Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, and Fernando Tatis Jr. around him, that he's going to score 87 runs and drive in 95? That's crazy. That's insane. Honestly, it, it's, it's, it's tone deaf. It's the only thing that a computer projection could come out with as opposed to somebody who's reading the room. So uh, I, I definitely think there's more value in the Machado contract than the about 20 war that they project him for, for 11 years for the rest of his career. With these things, man, what I tend to do is if there's like basically unarguable analytical data, you have to accept it. But when there's these projections and these statistics based on defensive metrics and they don't line up with the eye test, like we know the eye test, Manny for a couple months following his injury wasn't the same, couldn't move to his left the same, didn't have the range, still was solid with the glove, but you know, wasn't his normal person. And you can see that with your eyes. Uh, Manny going back to 2019 is one of the best defenders in the game. And he hasn't gotten statistical credit for that. Uh, not to shout out other podcasts, but I've listened to several by former players, including Trevor Plouffe on the talk in baseball. He talks about how there are guys that just game the system by knowing exactly where to stand and they won't stand anywhere else except for the place that gives them the highest defensive statistical credit. So they've, they're trying to make their money. Manny doesn't seem to play that way. And when he's hurt, he can't play that way. Um, so going by the computer alone and not using your own two eyes, you know, Manny Machado is not a substandard defensive third baseman. If you try to sell that to me, I will close the door in your face. It is not true. Anybody who's watched the dude play, uh, not even from when he was a young man making absurd, obscene highlight reel defensive stops. Who's watched him the last three years? You know he is a stud at third base. And if he's your 36-year-old first baseman, he's probably the best first baseman in the league. Hey, just a quick reminder. There's uh, over a couple thousand of you listening to this podcast on the free feed when all is said and done. But there's a hearty group of just under 50 folks who are listening to this live before it's even out on the patron feed. And those are our, our patrons who signed up at patreon.com slash Padres Hot Tub, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Padres Hot Tub. 
Padres obsessed Wes, uh, my friend and uh, incredible golf partner out at Bonita uh, a couple of weeks ago, Chris, uh, he wrote in the chat, I'm not stressing about what happens 10 years from now. Manny is ours, and he's going to be awesome for at least six of those 10 years. And I, I agree. Benjamin followed in and said, and this is, I think, a great place for us to transition, Chris. Uh, he, he said, is there a value in potentially overpaying Manny as a signal or a message to other players that reinforces the Padres being an organization players want to join? Take our contracts with options because we take care of our family. Maybe. And that's what. Go maybe ahead. there's a value in that. Uh, you know, everybody gave Eric Hosmer a ton of credit for Manny Machado. So there will definitely be the narrative of that being the case. I think it goes more to building a like a climate within the organization that the Padres haven't been known for. You know, this is absolutely crazy if you told anybody in 2018 what the 2023 Padres would look like. So I I don't know if there's a value towards, you know, luring other free agents of the highest caliber. I do think it gets you guys like Nelly Cruz on a million dollars. I do think it gets you guys like Michael Waka understanding that there's he plays the game to get a ring and going to the team that's overpaying for the best players in the world gives him his best shot at that. So maybe. I don't think it's going to drive the price down for Juan Soto. I'll put it that way. No, I don't think it does. However, I don't think you can even entertain the idea of signing Juan Soto if you don't commit to Manny Machado. And that, that's the next topic I'd like to discuss, which is the concept of momentum play. Peter Seidler is doing business, and we were just talking about this, in a different style than other major league owners have decided to do. He is betting on continuously reinvesting in his team, and I mean continuously reinvesting in his team and seeing the Padre fan reaction, seeing the patron reaction in terms of their willingness to invest in the club with the belief that this will turn into a virtuous cycle uh, in, in which things continually reinforce one another. Part of that, I believe, my friend, is the perception of constant forward momentum that you are a team that everything's changed and that we do things different in San Diego than anywhere else in Major League Baseball. So you and I have talked both last week's podcast and back when we did the fan survey podcast. And I'm not going to go back on what I said. If you ask me objectively, who's the better player to throw a giant bag of money at Juan Soto right now? or Manny Machado right now, the answer is Juan Soto. Like, it's clearly Juan Soto. However, Juan Soto, who you traded for to come into a club that's led by Manny Machado, a club that committed to a young superstar in Fernando Tatis, but it's led by Manny Machado, a club that made a lifetime contract offer to Xander Bogarts, but it's led by Manny Machado, a club that reinforced its commitment to you, Darvish, by locking up the end of his career and the heart of Joe Musgrove's career, 
nonetheless, and still is led by Manny Machado. If I have any chance to tell Juan Soto, Dominican Juan Soto, who's here with Dominican Nelson Cruz, Dominican Fernando Tatis Jr., and Dominican Manny Machado, that we take care of our stars here in San Diego. Oh, by the way, your leader, Manny Machado, we're going to hang out and we're going to let him leave in free agency at age 31. But you, we're going to commit to you. Not him. We're going to let him leave. But you, we're going to commit to you. I think that is a really, really hard slash impossible slash no chance sell to Juan Soto. Oh, you treated Manny that way, but you're going to treat me different? Oh, I, I have to look at it like the money you saved on Manny is money that's coming to me? That's great for the quants, right? That's great for the guys with the Excel sheets. For Juan Soto, this is about positive momentum. If you don't commit to Manny Machado, you can't commit to Juan Soto. Well, there's two things here. Yes, Craig, they are. they need to have constant forward momentum because Peter Seidler is building a brand. He doesn't just want casual baseball fans to put on Padre hats. He wants Cincinnati Reds fans to put on Padre hats. He wants he wants Pittsburgh Pirates fans to put on Padres hats, to wear those Padres hats to their state. Oh, Chris Reed dunks on himself and just disappears. Right in the middle of a passionate comment, Rafey. What happened? See if we can get him back up here. <laughs> He's back. I'm here. What happened? Sorry, Chris? sorry. You got so excited you canceled yourself. Yeah, that's what the computer tries to does. It's like we're he's gonna burn me up with this fire take. Um But that's what I mean. He wants these people to see that you know, this isn't a new idea. If you pay for a good product. Uh, i.e. the best baseball players, and they come uh, work for you, i.e. play baseball in your stadium, people are going to want to come see that. You know, investing in the product equals more money coming to you down the line. So, yeah, he needs to constantly, uh, you know, have forward momentum. He's got a brand to build. And, you know, I, I've, I think my position's been pretty steady on Craig. Manny Machado was always my priority because, like you say, he's the guy that turned all this around. He has the weight of the locker room, and it, it isn't symbolic because he's going to be playing real baseball for you for a decade, but it does speak to your values. You want the best players. You, you, you want to field the best lineup of nine of the best baseball players in the world as you possibly can. Manny Machado was there. He's not going to be there next year or the year after. If he's gone, he is gone. Um, and they've taken this approach with the best players. So I don't think it's going to end. I don't think because they signed Manny, they don't have money for Mr. Soto now. I, I've always thought that's a myth. I've always thought the Padres are doing, they have their plan. I think it's to put four studs of near Hall of Fame potential in the lineup and then hope to fill it out the rest of the way because with that top four, they're not going to get beat easily. Um, so, <laughs> you know, uh, somebody in the chat just put, if Peter Seidler 
says that signing Juan Soto is his top priority. I'm going to cream my jeans. And I'm right with him. Uh, That's what I want to hear out of his mouth. I want to hear Juan Soto is now his top priority because the Padres have shown that they do what they friggin' want. Yeah, and and, uh, Dave in the chat says the sheer amount of years and money that the Padres can sustainably commit to players that other players are going to want to play with is a huge plus. That's 100% right, Dave. You know, we've had folks in our Discord from the very beginning. Oh, man, Tevin just left when I was about to bring him up. We've had folks in our Discord from the very beginning talking about, well, you have to commit to this year because in 2024, the Padres are going to have to reset. You know, they're going to have an empty farm system and everyone's going to leave and they're going to have to, you know, cut their payroll by $200 million. I'm not saying he literally said that, but the idea that, it's a very short-term commit. It's a very short-term gamble that's got an immediate, gigantic downside risk. Now, Fernando Tatis Jr. is here this decade and part of next decade. Xander Bogarts is here this decade and part of next decade. Manny Machado is here this decade and part of next decade. You Darvish is here for six years. Joe Musgrove is here for five years. This team has no intention to have a three-year period where they lose 100 games a year and hit reset and bring in the next Manny Margot. You know, (laughs) this team intends to be good every year for the next 10 years. Yeah, and they've talked about needing to have young talent to, to make that possible, sure. And we as Padres fans have a long, traumatic history of this, uh, of competing teams that that show up for a you know a bright flash of time, and then dissipate and go away and get fire sold. Well, Padres fans, my 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 friar brethren, Pete said this week on I want to say Ben and Woods, he said there will be no fire sale. And you know what? I trust him. I, I, I think the Padres now have the best ownership in baseball. I don't think it's close. Um, they've, they've shown us with their actions that they, they want the Padres to be the best team they possibly can be. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not worried about six years, seven years. I'm only excited. I'm only excited that this happened to our Padres. You know, this didn't happen to... Pittsburgh or anywhere else. We we got the owner who decided to break things, to break a rotten, rotten mold and cast something completely new. This is a I, team. Go ahead, Rafi. Go ahead. I yeah. I I just wanted to just Chris writing on the back of that. Like people love to get obsessed with Moneyball and then think about Moneyball as this baseball story and uh. Moneyball was a story about economics, and it was a story about taking conventional wisdom and turning it on its head and people paying attention to the wrong data. And then that became the pervasive attitude, really, for the last 15, 20 years in baseball, is uh, if you go to that Fangraphs article and you specifically go to the comments, it's a lot of, like, the Padres are playing themselves here, you know? And I, I understand that viewpoint, but the the conventional tone in Major League Baseball right now is 
is teams arguing, you know, Milwaukee arguing with Corbin Burns over $700,000 and effectively breaking his relationship with the team over over what the cost that's like less than a a rookie minimum contract it's you know the rays uh were arguing with another one of their players in arbitration using a stat called meltdowns that's like a random stat on fan uh, for over two hundred thousand dollars and i to me like the conventional wisdom and the and the market inefficiency today is spending money which like sounds weird because the whole idea of moneyball is like extracting more wins per dollar but you know the process by which you make the team good through uh, of the rays and the guardians and all these other teams you were bringing up it involves painful years of 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 really like thin spending and and tanking and the things that everyone now attributes to baseball being broken and if you can just turn around and go and spend money, I, I don't understand, you know, I, I understand there's risk involved with that, but I think we as fans like should be thrilled and and not saying that anyone isn't here, but like I, I'm I'm just I've never been this excited before. I'm just like I'm ecstatic on a constant basis. So uh I, I'm just like I really think the front office and Peter Seidler obviously should be commended for for what they're doing and spending money, but uh, that I actually think that they are changing conventional wisdom. Peter Seidler's the greatest owner in sports right now. I'll just say that. And he needs to get a championship to be crowned as such, to have people from the outside understand that this was the man who broke the system the right way. This was the man who stopped being and he is he's the owner of the people you know when he said i like spending money you can't take it with you when when has bezos said that you know like when has jerry jones said that like it, it just it's it it doesn't happen this is the attitude we've wanted I, and we've got some incredible text comments but the, te- the text chat for this show has just been absolutely on fire and i i, I love this from padre poppy he said, I was mentally preparing myself for the worst, parenthesis, what we've been trained to do for years as Padres fans, and parenthesis, while at the same time feeling that Pete has never let us down. That feeling we all had last October that we had not felt in years, it's going to be a common one for years to come. Can't wait to watch this from the hot tub. Padre Poppy, I can't agree more. All the small things, Blink 82, bring the rain, let's sing together, like... This is a feeling of a a team, a city, a fan base coming together that needs to be marked in history to me. This needs to be revered as one of the great moments in baseball history. And right below this in the text chat, there is the discussion of what does it take to make this a success? And the answer is one. And I actually agree with that. Like, just win a championship. Validate this for all time, for the baseball gods and everyone else. Padres fans, uh, I've talked about this a lot, and, and San Diego fans, a little bit more broader, have been through so much collective tragedy. Uh, when you talk about Mr. Padre, Mr. Padre's gone. He got taken from us. Uh, you talk about the Chargers' iconic player, Junior Seau. He's gone. 
you know, we've we've lived through genuine hurt and sorrow. We've lived through a city going near bankrupt, uh, uh, then losing its football team, losing part of its identity. And that's what sports is. That's what baseball is. It's part of our identity. So to have this, you know, dude that none of us had heard of seven years ago, step in, completely shift the paradigm of franchise ownership and and dedicate himself to winning like every fan would if put in his shoes. It's a weird gift. We, we, We have to accept it and try not to let our anxieties carry us away and uh, enjoy this long ride. And yeah, man, one world series. Yeah. That's all it takes. Just a couple other, to kind of put a a button on this part of the conversation, a couple of the great text comments uh, from our good friend, Dean says Roberto and Sandy Alomar, Gary Sheffield, Fred McGriff, Steve Finley, Kevin Brown, Ken Caminiti, Aegon, Peavy. It's just nights that for the first time we're holding our favorite players, providing long-term continuity for the first time in franchise history. Plus, we better be able to afford Soto. The franchise has been penny-pinching for years. There better be some money in the shoebox under the bed. I don't think there's a shoebox. I'm pretty sure there's not a shoebox. Wouldn't that be funny, though, if like Peter Seidler was looking around like, here's the shoebox from where the Crocs saved everything up (laughs) for decades. Here's Jeff Morad's shoebox. Um, and also, uh, Padres obsessed Wes. Peter is creating lifelong fans. My six-year-old daughter loves Manny Machado. Now she can watch him till he's 17. Cloud Surfer. Seidler is reaching for greatness. Other MLB owners are reaching for spreadsheets. Parkwar. He's reaching for greatness and it'll pay off in the end. He's investing in generational talent. And I think that's the biggest key. It's the biggest thing that changed. We went from a team that overcommitted to Will Myers and then made a stupid commitment to Eric Hosmer. And I remember the shows, Chris, with John and me back at the 1090 studios, like going crazy. Like the whole rant about back up the Brinks truck to Manny that I did back in 2018 was based on give the money to the right players. Yes. Yeah. You know, it wasn't invest in, and that's the thing that always killed me about, well, you know, Eric Hosmer was the crawling before we could walk. No, Eric Hosmer was a terrible contract that we're still paying for. Like that was a bad idea. Bad ideas are bad ideas. Every time investing huge money in mid talent is the best way to be a shit baseball team forever. Investing big money in great talent should be celebrated every single time. And that's what backing up the Brinks truck to Manny was. It was for the first time, let's try and get one of the best players in the league, not just the guy at the dance who's willing to look at us when we look at them, you know? And to take it from that to we get a Fernando Tatis, we lock in a Fernando Tatis. You know, we get to, hey, you, Xander Bogarts, you're going to get an 11-year deal. Manny, you're going to get an 11-year deal. You know, the Padres are losing money on these deals. They're going to lose money in 2023, but they're going to grow the value of the franchise by God knows how much, and they're going to entrench long-term love for the San Diego Padres for God knows how many decades 
to come. This isn't a day-by-day Excel spreadsheet play. This is the longest of long-term plays. Well, that's the saddest thing about pathetic baseball owners is there are 30 major league baseball franchises right now. There might They might expand that in the coming years. Who knows? But that is an elite, tiny club. They should be getting better people to, to own these prestige brands. If baseball wants to grow and, and become as relevant as it once was, these clubs have to be brands that are tied to people's hearts. And you don't do that by lowballing Corbin Burns when you know there's an eight-year-old girl who's going to come watch his starts and, and watch him leave via free agency. You don't do that by 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 assembling you know journeyman players year in year out. Uh, Milton Bradley comes to mind. I remember being pretty excited when the Padres <laughs> acquired Milton Bradley. He's a talented guy. If he ever puts it together, you know. <laughs> He's going to be something. Um, you win by doing the best. And, and that's why, you know, we have a World Series to win this year before it happens and a World Series to win next year before it happens. But Juan Soto, you know, if, if the Padres have Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Xander Bogarts on their team for a decade, that will be... Let's be like conservative. What? That's fifty thousand people that are born or or kids yeah. right now that right. become Padre fans forever. It's going to be one of the greatest periods in baseball history. You know, it, it, it's got a chance to be that team like the the Braves that won fifteen division titles in a row, right? And then an entire region yeah. is, is baseball fans. Excuse me, and then they they have a, an identity to build a while uh, around even today off of that '90s Braves team. Like players still want to play for the Braves thirty years later because of that. Parkour puts in the chat that players are not going to be cheaper ten years from now. A lot of guys now now and watches their contracts look like deals five years from now. That's the only reason why Tatis's deal looks amazing now is that time has passed. It hasn't been performance because he hasn't played. Right. It's just that simply time has gone by, so the deal looks better. A lot better. And I think Parkour is exactly right, that you do these type of commitments understanding that, you know, for the last couple of years, the Padres suffered through paying Will Myers $20 million and Eric Hosmer, 20 million, and Drew Pomerantz, 10 million to not perform for their team. And it was like, ugh, we have $50 million in weight on our payroll that's not really delivering for us. Well, that $30 million contract, five, six, eight years from now, could wind up feeling much less painful than the $20 million contract did for Will Myers the last couple of years for him to come out and hit his nine home runs and have his great three week stretch, you know, like the, the idea that these contracts will age well from a money valuation standpoint, I think is as important to consider as the idea that they will age poorly from a player performance standpoint. Sorry about that, Craig. My, my room snuck up on me. That's okay. Uh, it was delightful though. <laughs> you got that little <laughs> ring around you 
for it uh, on on the broadcast. It was it was beautiful. Um, all right, Manny Machado, Padre for life, going to the Hall of Fame, doing so in a Padres cap. There is continuity. One thing I'm actually really happy about, just from a personal standpoint, I was not looking forward to the Manny heel turn. You know, like San Diego should be Manny City forever. And I wasn't looking yeah. forward to him being a giant and getting booed every single time he came to town. You know, like I, I didn't want to deal with that. I, I, I didn't want to feel that. I didn't want him to be like, oh, yeah, I remember when we had good times and now you guys boo me and whatever. Like, no, this is his town. This is his team. He's going to be right there with Tony Gwynn when all is said and done as the player most associated, and Fernando Tatis Jr., as the player most associated ever with Padres baseball. And I think that's pretty damn cool. I, I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, dude. It, it just doesn't get better than, than days like this. You know, the, the trade with Soto, uh, the first Manny signing and then and then knowing he's going to be here uh it, it's good it's good and that's our manny <laughs> talk uh if anyone wants to pop their hand up if they've got a, a specific take that we haven't gotten to feel free it is a live show and that means you do have the opportunity uh to jump in but i've just really enjoyed a lot of the text commentary uh that we've gotten here uh over the code course of the show uh benjamin just do dove in and said he, he grew up in the northern virginia area my brothers are orioles fans they're so happy for manny they wish he could have retired an oriole but they get it O's management created such a sad situation that's what the padres used to be and, and someone yep. else brought that up you brought it up a couple of our listeners brought it up earlier that's what we were conditioned to as padres fans oh we have a great player we're going to trade him Oh, we've got a player in the prime of his career, gone. Too much money. Can't afford it. I don't know how many times I've talked to baseball fans here in San Diego. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like, so dismissive uh, about the Padres. And, and you would say, no, no, they're trying to do things different. And it just didn't stick. Now it's changed. This is the team, the franchise, that doesn't take their players to arbitration, that puts in player options and opt-outs that seem ridiculous. <laughs> from the outside but there is a method to the madness the padres are a player-friendly team that as was said before now have a roster of exciting players that are excited to play with one another and that players from the outside are going to be excited to play with and that means if you can build up the farm system and i do believe this will be my very very last point on manny i do think when you lock in this many players to this long of a commitment you now have to change your philosophy, meaning A.J. Preller can't just use his farm system as ballast for trades to revamp yeah. the roster. Currency. Correct. Now they have to become players that come up and help and balance the books. So now you need Luis Camposano to come up and play. Now you need Jackson Merrill to, to come through the system and develop and it's not quite the situation it was before where you were trying to jumpstart this thing you were putting the 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 you know shock blasters on the chest right pow you know getting the energy jolt like you need to change philosophically now and the key is in order to do that is for this team of superstars for two years 2023 2024 to hold the fort 
to perform at a level where you don't have to have your farm contributing at all the next two years in order for this team to be incredibly successful. That gives Preller and his incredible staff two years to get this thing ramped up so that now you can start to supplement two, three, four players into the core group. You do that, you've got sustainability for a long time. Uh, since they already have, you know, all their star power loaded up at the top of the lineup, there's less pressure on those guys. Uh, there have been seasons, and there are teams right now, that having Louis Campusano taking over the bulk of the catching duty might be a make-or-break thing for the season. Uh, that's not going to be an issue. If, if he struggles, they're going to be all right. Um, the Padres have Trent Grisham, Jake Cronenworth, and Huss on Kim for two more years. Uh, you know, the if they want, their team is fairly well set. Now they may use some of those guys uh, to, to grow that farm system a little bit more uh, because they're so good up the middle. They're so good. Uh, second base, shortstop, and center field. Maybe those are the things that that help build up that farm system. I, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, I think we have a lot to be excited about watching these younger guys play at spring training. Jackson Merrill went and had himself a fun first spring training day, whatever, however meaningless that could be. Um, I, I think Benjamin should talk to his brothers and maybe for their birthdays buy them some Padre hats. They don't have to not root for the Orioles, they, but it, it might bring some joy to their lives to root for a team that's actually trying. Yeah, and if you're an AL East fan, historically, rooting for an NL West team feels like you're not cheating on your girlfriend, you know? Like, you're far enough apart that you're not going to conflict too much. Uh, so I, I like that idea. All right, let's do... Uh, uh, certainly a lot shorter segment to wrap things up, Chris, but uh, you know, we can talk through the beginning of spring training here. Um, look, I've watched, I, I watched all of the first game, some of the second game, none of the third game, none of today, uh, you know, check in every once in a while with what's going on. I'm still, you're not going to change me this quick read. You're not going to make me dig in and love every inning of spring training baseball. I know that madness lies down that path. We've got six months <laughs> that we have to devote our energy to this thing. I cannot do it at 12 o'clock every day of the next month. I don't know, Craig. I'm telling you that Julio Tehran two-seamers got some life on it. There might be some money there. Right? Like, I'm just like... The David, Dahl, I'm just going to lean all the way in. Every David Dolan Pat. I'm just like, is this the one? Is this the one? <laughs> hit it out. You're so, you're so yoked. You've got to hit it out. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into all that. Ozokar looks good. Whoever looks bad. Jay Groom was okay. You know, Death Lugo, this and that. Um, but you know what? You know what I'll say about it, Craig? Yeah. Nobody's gotten hurt. For sure. Um, that's the number one win every spring training day. The number one win is did anyone go down? I mean, look, the Dodgers know, friggin' lost yep. today. They lost. I don't care what the spring training score was. Gavin Lux got carted off. The Dodgers lost today. They lost the whole week. They, they lost a month off their season. He was a guy that they, this was his year for them to change. So, yeah, man, 
everybody's okay. Um, Hassan Kim is on a plane heading to his team in Korea. You Darvish is already there, and a bunch of our our boys are going to be getting on planes and waving goodbye to Peoria. And we're gonna we're gonna be you know, I, I've probably watched two thirds of the innings, and not all live. I've stayed up a little bit and watched it, and it it's been fun. But it is spring training, man. It's like eighteen to six games. It's it's some sloppiness. It, Here's the other thing it is, and this is the thing I'd like to discuss before we go. A lot of people are, are coming out today. I, I heard it on the morning show. You know, I heard Ben and Woods talk about it. I heard, heard a, a few different people podcasts. Oh, let's all react to the pitch clock, right? Mm. And, and one thing to note right off the top, if you don't know this, is that the big old gigantic invasive right in your <laughs> left peripheral vision pitch clock, uh, that will not be there. In the regular season, that that will be replaced by a great big invasive ad, a digital advertisement yeah. Yeah. will replace that spot for your local casino or or for a, something else in between or an insurance company uh, that will take the place of uh, God forbid, because all these I've seen so many baseball fans like. I, I just don't like it. There's a clock. Things are counting down. I'm nervous. What's happening? I'm with them. I was anxiety inducing that first game with that giant ass clock. That made my heart beat a little bit. You know, look, uh, the, the only anxiety for me, Nick Martinez twitching on the mound induced anxiety for me to begin with. Just like Clevenger. I was, I, I would get anxious just watching him twitch. So, uh, you know, having the pitch clock can't up. But point being that will be off camera. Yeah, uh, you, that, that won't be something for you to be bothered with as a television viewer during the regular season in the arena, in the stadium. You'll be able to see it. And I'm sure a number of us will obsessively look at it because that's what we do, because we obsess about stuff. Um, but. I'm not going to be the person you're going to find or catch knocking the pitch clock. The pitch clock is awesome. The pitch clock is the best thing that's happened to baseball since I've been an adult. Uh, that or the wild card round, we can discuss it. And I am 100% convinced the pitch clock will do two things. One, it will become routine and you will stop noticing it. Just like any other routine in your life. You stop noticing its impact on you after you do it for a little while. And the second thing is it will convert more young people to the sport than before. I, and I will, I will lean back to my own anecdotal example of my then 10 year old, now 11 year old who will be 12 this summer saying it's the fourth inning. It's already been two hours. When are we going to go? Yeah. When are we going to get out of here? This is the fourth inning. It's already been over two hours. It's already nine o'clock. I want to get home and I want to be able to watch TV. I want to get home and I want to be able to read before I go to bed. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to fall asleep in the trolley. I don't want that. And to get from that to two and a half hours is the average time. Now you're down to basically the length of a movie or, you know, God forbid, Rafi, uh, the length of one of your Netflix episodes. I hope you're going <laughs> to stick to a tight 48. 
you know i, I you know leave the leave the viewer wanting more but i i feel like there is going to be there are going to be a series of positive knock-on effects that the baseball quants are are going to miss pearl clutching being worried about missing some huge moment where someone stares off the mound for a minute in the postseason yeah and i i just wanted to like keep going and go even further from from what you were talking about i want to read a few quotes to you guys really quickly uh quote it cheapens the game another quote i think some (laughs) soccer guy came up with it and a third quote i don't like the gimmicks i'm a traditionalist those quotes are from Connecticut basketball coach Jim Calhoun, St. John's coach Lou Carsenica, St. John's coach Lou Carsenica, and Mississippi State's Richard Williams talking about the advent of the three-point line in 1986 to college basketball. Okay, right. I have heard those same arguments talked about the pitch clock, and I cannot. I, every time I see those pop up, I feel compelled to respond in all caps. It's not. For us. It's not for us. We are in. We are going to be watching baseball no matter what. You know, Rob Manfred could come out to the mound before the first pitch and take a giant dump before the game and I would still watch. Okay? Because I love baseball and I'm so excited for this season of Padres baseball. And it just like you said, Craig, if it brings one marginal fan into the game, it's worth it. Um, I've seen some stuff in the Discord too about uh you know how we're gonna have time to drink beer like how are we going to you know are are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna lose money in concessions now how are we gonna pay for this be able to sign soto because somebody's drinking four beers instead of five (laughs) exactly first of all uh let alone the fact that basketball has always had a two-hour game time and they seem to have no problem selling concessions and tickets and all that stuff uh it the money is in the national television audience that is where it comes from. And if the audience grows so because sweet. people want yeah. ju- to jump in and see this new, faster, streamlined, exciting version of baseball, then Peter Seidler is going to win. The other 29 owners are going to go in. And we are all going to win because we are going to go back, hopefully, to that heyday of baseball right before everyone found out that everyone was juicing up. Oops. Where baseball was the talk of American culture. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that place, but um, that is the, the baseball that I grew up in. That is the baseball that I fell in love with, where where we as a as a nation were obsessed with the sport. And this is a step in that direction. Who knows where it'll end up, but it's a step. And I'm I, I applaud baseball. I am so excited. And, uh, you know, it'll be, a, 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 you know, a sore spot for a month and then we will forget it's there. We will forget it's there. Everyone is going to embrace this over time. The most ridiculous hot take is someone leaving a game in August and going, "Well, I just wish that took longer." Right, you know, I, I do. I do want to. I do want to contradict our, our our huge our huge donor X X JP. Uh, no, it, shorter games do not mean tighter TV commercial availability. Commercial breaks are built in. And, and they're not going to say goodbye to a, a penny of that money. Uh, all, right, all commercial right. breaks will stay exactly the same. This is purely a pace of play issue. Um, and to emphasize how big of an improvement this is, 
you know, we talked, we joked about the 18 to 6 spring training game from a couple days ago, Craig. Uh, you may have already heard. Do you know how long that 24 runs took? Just like over three hours, right? Like just a little over three hours. Three hours and three minutes, man. That That's gobsmacking. Absolutely. And, and by the way, just to, to build off of HexJP9's point, one of the things that I have maintained for years, I've made this rant on the radio multiple times. One of the things I've maintained for years has hurt baseball is that when they go to the postseason, they add an extra 30 seconds to every single commercial break. And the commercial break that used to be a minute 45 becomes two minutes and 15 seconds. Um, Along a similar line, Ben on Ben and Woods this morning made the point of, oh, some people are saying, well, yeah, it's fine, but add 10 seconds to the clock. Let's not rush things. And adding 10 seconds to the pitch clock adds 66 minutes on average to each Major League Baseball game. One small change adds an hour to the game. When you add 30 seconds to each break and you've got 19 breaks guaranteed in the game, you're building in another half hour, another 40 minutes of the game. So a three-hour game becomes a three-hour, 45-minute game and it's really, really hard to keep a young person's attention for four hours to get to the end of a baseball result. So I, I think that was a great point in, to really even to illustrate that, yeah, the commercials stay the same, but you want you just want things to keep moving. You, you want things to hum along. And, and I think the pitch clock is 100% going to do that. I believe it will have positive knock-on effects as opposed to negative knock-on effects. I don't think anyone's going to miss it. And I've absolutely loved, I don't know if you saw this, Chris or Rafi, um, but a couple of TikToks that came out, uh, I, I've seen two different versions oh, of this. yeah. Today. There was one with the Padres, right? It was a Padres yes. spring training. So, yes. so the first one I saw was a side-by-side, and, and, and both videos used Pedro Baez of the Dodgers, the most historically slow <laughs> pitcher. In 2016 NL Championship Series, pitching to David Ross, now the Cubs manager. And it took a minute and 55 seconds for Pedro Baez to throw one pitch. Like, he stepped off three times, you know, looked looked back the runner at second. Yeah. Ross stepped out, and it took almost two minutes. They're just having that that delicate dance that all these purists love to talk about so much of right of games. Of well, Joe Buck is out there clubs. complaining, going, yeah, and Joe Buck is, is going. Well, the defense now is completely flat footed. What can they do? Are they supposed to concentrate for this? So one video had uh, the the conceit of how many times can Jose Altuve inside the park homer before Pedro <laughs> Baez? I, know. I didn't <laughs> see that one. And the answer was seven. Yeah, Altuve right. went around the yep. bases seven times uh, before Pedro Baez threw one pitch, and and that popped into my timeline with the caption: "This might be the most pro pitch clock uh, video ever." And then it was immediately replaced by from today's game, a Dodger pitcher pitching an entire half inning in the time it took Pedro Baez to throw. One pitch. And look, uh, Hassan Kim squared around a bunt. Uh, Luis Camposano swung at a pitcher's pitch and, and popped out on the second pitch. So it wasn't a great inning for the Padres. 
but uh, nonetheless, an entire half inning in the time it took Pedro Baez to throw one pitch. You tell me what's better. Dude, and like Rafey said, we're not even going to notice it in, in four months. Yeah, They've broken it down, how many infractions there were when they brought this into minor league play. It matched up almost exactly with what it has brought about in major league play. And then within weeks, weeks, those numbers were halved. And then weeks after that, they were halved again. Um, it is pretty hilarious that it was our guy who had the first one ever. And of course it's Manny playing with his gloves, but you know, the dude got a base hit a few pitches later, so it's not going to bother him. I'm going to be good. Oh, one last thing. And then we'll wrap up. Cause I heard this today. Baseball fans. If you hear this, understand you are listening to someone clutching their metaphorical pearls. Okay. You are listening to somebody trying to come up with a reason to argue against a pitch clock. I heard this. I heard this twice today. Well, what if a huge playoff game, ninth inning, bases loaded, 3-2 count, and the hitter gets punched out because he didn't visually engage the pitcher at the eight-second mark? And that's how a game ends. And that's how a series ends. And everyone's going to be mad. And it's going to be the ump show all over again. And no one asked Cowboy Joe West to do this. No one asked Angel Hernandez to be the star. Blah, 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 blah. Going all the way down a rabbit hole that they dug themselves. Guys, gals, (laughs) non-identifiers, fans, listen to me, okay? Do you remember when the NBA cracked down on traveling? Do you remember that? Yeah. Do, do you remember when there was a, a an entire preseason where they called like 13 traveling violations a game? And then in the first six weeks of the season, they called, you know, seven in a game. And everyone's like, oh, my God, a big game will be decided on a traveling call in the in the semifinal. And then the playoffs come around and they don't yeah. because that, that's not how umpiring works. They're not robots. The idea is you're installing a behavioral change. You're getting players yes. and pitchers acclimated to the rhythm that they're going to come. Hey, we're going to play at a little bit faster tempo now, right? We're going to crank it. We're going to crank it up just a little bit. So, yeah, they're going to be tough in it, and they've said they're going to be as tough as possible in spring training. When the and games are meaningless. It right. doesn't mean anything if the Braves right. and Red Sox tie. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it means literally nothing. So do it now, and then, yeah, in April, they'll, you, know, you, you crack down a little bit, and you're installing patterns. You're installing behavioral change. I... I'm willing to bet right now there will not be a playoff game decided on an automatic ball four or an automatic strike three that that's called because some pedantic umpire wants to decide a playoff series that that's not the way it's going to work. Dean, you are cracking me up in the text channel. Stop it. (laughs) You are, you're going to derail this very good point I'm making. (laughs) Say it sounds like brainwashing and re-education. That's hilarious. Um, no, it's not going to be a problem, guys. 
we're going to just quietly enjoy a faster, more economical game with a chance at the end of the evening to sometimes be able to say, hey, what else do you want to do? You know, it's 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 9.15. Do you want to go down to the bar now? Do you want to go sing karaoke? Do you want to go do whatever? As opposed to, oh my God, it's 10.30. I got to get home. You know, like it, it's, and I, I just, I'm not, you're not going to hear me say one bad word about this. You won't hear me say boo about this pitch clock. The only thing I'm bummed about right now is that we don't have flashing red lights for two disengagements and having giant oh, danger throw, F- danger, danger throw. Mode is, uh, yeah, danger mode. Uh, dude, I think you're right, too. I don't think there's going to be any playoff games decided by this. But guess what? If there is, it's just like the Super Bowl where the defensive back held receiver and you can't hold it's still a penalty so if somebody's trying to jack with the pitch clock in game seven of the world series it's their own jackass fault if they lose the game 100 percent, mr reed anything else on, on your mind this evening I just want to remind everybody listening that Trent Grisham hit the first home run of spring training. That totally means something and is a good omen. (laughs) It 100% means something. It means something. I think Matt Carpenter looks exceedingly cool. That's my spring training takeaway so far. He's one of the coolest looking baseball players I've ever seen. And the dude has a confidence. That that only comes with age and a determination to kick some ass. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm Team Carpenter. Team Team How Carpenter looks. That's it. I'm just, I'm just all about it's it's a look right now. It's just it's just vibes. No, you know? that's that that totally turns into on field performance. Think about Ha Sung Kim last season when he came back with that added muscle on his arms. Um, mm-hmm. That translated into you know, being the shortstop we all needed. So Matt Carpenter is probably going to be a all-star something this year. Padres hot tub live recording. We did it on our discord in front of our fans. Come be part of our next show. We'll be doing a live group therapy later this week. We'll be doing live post-game shows as the real games begin uh, at the end of March and into April. Go to patreon.com slash Padres Hot Tub, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Padres Hot Tub. Sign up and be part of our next show. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, go Padres. Padres.